Okay, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Everybody get a lesson? Anybody did not get a lesson? Um, I think we're all covered. You know, uh, David has been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. Saul is the present king. And for those of you who may have been here, we're, we're doing a study of the kings starting in Samuel. So Saul is the first king. And David is bending over backwards to try to get along with him. David, is the, David really is Saul's best friend. He's loyal. He's faithful. He's a, a great warrior. He's a great leader. He's earned the respect of the people of the land. And yet, um, he's exhausting all his resources. And so, very soon in this chapter and the ch- chapters following... David has no uh, option, no alternative, but just to flee, uh, to really become a fugitive. And uh, Saul has tried to kill him. Saul has some of his men trying to kill him. And so it's really, if you put it yourself in David's place, I, you know, sometimes we read these things without the, putting a human element or factor to it. But David... Is a godly man, young man, minding his own business, tending his father's sheep. When Samuel came to Jesse's house and said, you're the person that God wants to be the next king. He wasn't doing anything but being a faithful brother when he went to the field and saw how Goliath was taunting God's people and he did the unthinkable. He took a slingshot and a rock and killed this, this great giant, the the, the champion of the Philistines. And, and, and then, you know, Saul, because of his rebellion, he's being troubled by these evil spirits and said, someone suggested, you need to find a man uh, that can play skillfully and that music would help relieve you from these, this torment you're having. And one of, one of Saul's men says, I know a guy. And there David is, again, minding his own business, just loving God. And they brought him before the king, and he's successful. Every time he would play, Saul would be... So this is... Put yourself in David's place. And now he's going to be the king. He knows he's going to be the king. He's doing everything he can to help Saul. And yet Saul is doing everything he can to kill him. I mean, just imagine what, what this would be like to go through this. And the only friend, really that is a true friend to, Jonathan, to David is Jonathan, the heir apparent to the, to the throne, the uh, son of Saul. And so as we look in chapter 20, and we're going to uh, try to move through this fairly quickly, uh, after, after, um, after Saul sent people, messengers, to David's house, to try to kill him, David is on the run. And so in verse 1, David fled from where he was. He had gone to meet with Samuel and Naoth and Ramah and came, David did, and, and said before Jonathan. Here's David's words to Jonathan. We're in chapter 20, verse 1. What have I done? And what is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? Tell me. Jonathan, you're my best friend. You're the son of the king. What have I done wrong? Why is he trying to kill me? 
In verse 2, And Jonathan said to David, said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will shew it or show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. So Jonathan refused to believe. He couldn't make his mind, couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that his father is conspiring to kill um, David. I don't know why that's, because it had been clear, should have been clear to him. It was been, had been clear to him. So verse 3, David sware moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. Your dad knows that we've made this covenant. We're friends. And he saith, this is what, this is David speculating what John, uh, Saul is saying. Let not Jonathan know this. I'm going to keep it from Jonathan, lest he be grieved. But David says, but truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. So number one there in your notes, David has this meeting with Jonathan, and these dear friends are going to discuss the situation that is really dire. And David, David just goes to Jonathan and says, you know, tell me what I've done. What have, where have I gone wrong? And, of course, Jonathan couldn't see it. But number three, David was certain of his danger. He knew his life was in danger. So in verse 4, Jonathan said to David, Whatever, whatsoever thy soul desires, I will do it for thee. You tell me what you, I can do to help, and I will help. Verse 5, And David said unto Jonathan, Tomorrow, behold, tomorrow is the new moon. And I should not fail to sit with the king at meat. But let me go that I may hide myself in the field unto the third day at even. So Jonathan's going to be expected, or David's going to be expected to be at this feast. It's a celebrated feast. And David said to Jonathan, here's what you can do for me. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I want you to give me, I mean, he is the king's son. I want you to permit me, let me go, then I can just be alone in the field. And here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, verse 6. If thy father at all miss me, if, David, if your father Saul misses me, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all his family. In other words, his family is going to be observing the same holiday, the same festivities, and David is asking permission to go which is not exactly honest. Verse, this, this will not be the only time David did something that was not exactly honest. Verse 7, if he say thus, if, if this is the way your dad responds, if he says, it is well, thy servant shall have peace. But if he be very wroth, then be sure that evil is determined by him. You're going to be able to tell Jonathan by the way your dad responds. Verse 8, therefore thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought... Notice how he often he refers, David refers to himself as Saul, uh, Jonathan's servant. Thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of the Lord with thee, notwithstanding, if there be in me iniquity, slay me thyself. For why shouldest thou bring me to thy... Bring me to thy father. It's almost like David's concerned that he's going to, that Jonathan's going to betray him. Bring him to my father. If I've done wrong, then you go ahead and kill me. Don't take me to your father. And I think a part of that 
I'm not trying to psychoanalyze David's situation, but a part of that is the emotional place he's in. He's, you know, and, and Saul is unpredictable. One day Saul says, I'm not going to kill him. The next day Saul says, I want him dead. And, and, and can he really trust Jonathan? So uh, if you're looking at your notes there, uh, number two under B, uh, Saul's erratic behavior made it impossible to predict his actions. David, David couldn't be sure of anything Saul's going to do, and he's even wondering a little bit, can I really trust Jonathan completely? And Jonathan said to him in verse 9, Far be it from thee, for if I knew certainly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would not I tell thee? Sure I would tell thee. Then said David to Jonathan, Who shall tell me? Or what if thy father answer thee roughly? How am I going to find out? If you, if this, if you carry out this plan... Who's going to let me know? And they're going to develop a plan, and much of this chapter has to do with that, with that plan, beginning in verse 11. And Jonathan said unto David, Come and let us go out into the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow any time or the third day, and behold, if there be a good, be good toward David, and I send thee not unto thee, and show it thee, the Lord do so, and more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do the evil, then I will show it again, uh, show it to thee, and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee, as he hath been with my father. So David, Jonathan and David are going to put together this plan. So through this plan, through this means, uh, in a subtle way, in a hidden way, uh, Jonathan's going to be able to communicate to David whether Saul is for him or against him. I just want to mention a phrase in verse 12 where, it, where da uh, Jonathan is speaking to David. Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my... And the, the, I mention that because these vows that these guys are making is not a casual kind of... He's, he's doing it before the Lord. He said, the Lord God of Israel, and he's saying that to to David, but he's speaking to the Lord about it. These were very serious covenants, very serious commitments. And we'll talk a little bit about that maybe later if we have time. So in your notes there, Jonathan devised this plan, and Jonathan is pledged to keep David informed. And, uh, and then this is, this is a part of the... Uh, Jonathan's response, very important, verse 14. And thou shalt not only while yet I live, Jonathan speaking to David, thou shalt not only yet while I live show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. So this, this has expanded this covenant. So Jonathan's saying not only are we committed to each other and I'm counting on your protection, but, but I want this covenant to last even beyond our lives, that our families will be uh, devoted to each other. And so he says, Thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord hath set, cut off the enemies of David, everyone from the face of the earth. So I just want to mention this, and we'll cover this at another time, but it's in the notes, that this pledge would resurface after Jonathan and Saul are both dead. Let's look at that quickly. Hold your finger here in 1 Samuel. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and many of you will be familiar with this passage. But 2 Samuel 
chapter 9. This is after the death of Jonathan and after the death of Saul. And David is now the king, 2 Samuel 9, 1. And David said in verse 1, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there anybody left of Jonathan's family, Jonathan's descendants? I, I had made this commitment to him. I want to I keep that commitment. And if you look in verse um, 3, it says, The king said, Is there not any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And then if you look down in verse uh, 6, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, so this is Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son, named Mephibosheth, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence, and David said to Mephibosheth, uh, Mephibosheth, and he said, he answered, Behold thy servant, and David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. So here's the, here's the uh, some of the results of this vow they're making. Jonathan and David made this covenant. Jonathan loved him as his own soul. But then here he says, let's expand this covenant, not just to us, but to our descendants. And so uh, it's, worth, it's just worth mentioning, and we'll cover that more when we get to David being the king, but it, it emphasizes the importance of our commitments, of our vows. Imagine that you said to someone, you know, I'm going I'm to be committed to you, and I'm going to be loyal to you, and I, I want that loyalty to extend beyond even our lives, our years. And so somewhere down the road, the grandson of the man who hates you or the son of the man you made this commitment to um, has a need, and you say, you know, I'm going to do this for Jonathan's sake. And that's really what's... So this vow is very important. Back to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 20. And... Again, this is something that repeats, being repeats often from, from Jonathan. Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him, for he loved him his own soul. He keeps affirming this, this vow that they've made to each other. Now, I'm not going to read all this, but this, this plan that's being devised for da uh, Jonathan to find out um, how Saul really feels about him begins in verse 18. So I don't want to kind of... Go through this fairly quickly. Verse 18. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon. That's when they're celebrating this festivity. And thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty. And so he says, When you stayed three days, then you come to the place that we're, we're designating. And Jonathan says in verse 20, I'm going to shoot three arrows on the side thereof as though I shot at a mark. So David's going to be hiding... He's supposed to be at this meal. He's, supposed to, he's going to be hiding, and this is what he's going to shoot three arrows, and he's going to have someone there with him. Verse 21, I will send a lad saying, go and find out the arrows. Here's how you're going to know. David's going to be hiding, hiding in the bushes. Here's how David's going to know how Saul is feeling. If I expressly say to the lad, the arrows are on this side of thee, take them and come and come. So if I say to the lad, no, the, the arrows are up here close, then he's saying to David, there's peace to you. There's no hurt going to come to you. But if I say unto the lad, verse 20, the arrows are beyond thee. Go thy way. Then David, you're going to know that the Lord is sending you away. 
because my dad is against you and there's no way to fix that. So you kind of see what the plan is going to be. He's going to shoot these arrows, send a lad out to get them. And if he says to the lad, no, it's up here, it's up here, then David from the bushes is going to know everything's okay, I can go. But if he says, no, go back, it's further, it's further, that means you're, you're going to have to get out of here. So it's kind of their way, and the lad doesn't know anything about it. It's just a scheme that they had. You have to keep in mind, you know, David is being hunted. They're trying to kill David. He's trying to keep himself out. You can't just go out and make, it, make your presence known. So, and in verse 23, Jonathan again goes over this vow and is touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of. Behold, the Lord be between thee and me forever. Now, there's a lot of reasons, I think, that he's being so emphatic about this. And one of them is because they're, they're about to be parted their ways. And they're, they're bosom buddies. They're close friends. By the way, you may or may not know this, and it doesn't benefit you to know it because there's nothing to it. But there are some people who, who try to say that Jonathan and David had some kind of a uh, more than just a friendship relationship, that they were affectionate with each other in a, in a sinful way. How, how twisted is that? And uh, that wasn't the case. They just had a really strong bond of friendship. And so um, F there at the bottom, number one, David hid himself in the field. Verse 24 says, David hid himself in the field, and he's going to wait and see what happens. So for three days, he's going to be waiting in the field Trying to determine. You know, you know what David wanted? David wanted to go back to the, to the palace. David wanted to go back to serving Saul. David wanted to go back to being the loyal friend that he was. That's what David wanted. And he's, but he's, he's just kind of trying to see if this is going to happen. So verse 24, David hid himself in the field. And when the new moon was come, the king sat him down to eat. This is a big deal. The king's there. The court is there. The people who are serve with him, uh, Abner's military leader. And the king sat upon his seat, as at other times, even upon a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by David's side, and David's place was empty. Therefore Saul spake not anything that day, for he thought something has befallen him. He's not clean. Surely he's not clean. So, so Saul made the, David's not in his place, as he customarily was. Saul's wondering why, and he said, well, he's not ceremonially clean, and, uh, which is kind of interesting in itself. You know, if you look over, and we're not going to turn to it today because of time's sake, but in the book of Leviticus, we have the, some of these mosaic ceremonial laws, and some of those things were, if you touch a, if you touch a body... If you touch an, a, an animal that's unclean, then you are unclean. You have to wash yourself. You're unclean until the even. And so these, this was a part of their law. And so Saul's just saying, well, he must, he, apparently he couldn't come because he's touched something that's unclean. He's not able to come. Um, which to me raises this matter. I was really thinking about this morning. How twisted is it that David would be concerned about... Um, Maybe David, or excuse me, Saul would be concerned that maybe David was just had to, wasn't clean. He couldn't come because of, he'd touched an animal or whatever. So Saul's interested in that, and yet his heart is so evil that he's trying to kill David. Doesn't that seem kind of twisted to you? But that's exactly the way sin can be sometimes. 
you know, we're so conscious of what somebody else is doing or not doing and totally oblivious to the sin that's in our own heart. And so, anyway, so that's what David, that's what Saul assumed. In verse 26, there, nevertheless, Saul spake not anything that day because of, of his assumption. Verse 27, and it came to pass on the morrow, the next day, which was the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. David still hadn't showed up. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, so he's asking Jonathan now, wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to meet neither yesterday nor today? I want to know where he is. And uh, Jonathan gives him this answer. And Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me, which he did, to go to Bethlehem. And he said, let me go, I pray thee, for our family hath a sacrifice in the city, and my brother, he hath commanded me to be there. Now that, we, that's, that part hadn't been included in the other one. So my brother says, I have to go. If I've found favor in thy eyes, this is David supposedly saying this to Jonathan, let me go away, I pray thee, and see my brethren. Therefore, Dad, therefore to Saul, he cometh not unto the king's table. This is his reason. This is his excuse. And again, they're not being completely honest, right? But that's, that's how it was going. So on the back of your notes, we see that John, Saul angrily responded to Jonathan. And so there's this outburst. Look in verse 30. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. Because Jonathan let him go, apparently, and said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and to the confusion of thy father's, your mother, thy mother's nakedness? So that he just angrily, like a person who's um, kind of flipped, you know, that he's just lashes out as Jonathan not, because of David. He's belittling him. He's insulting him. He's berating him. It even, it even seems like he's questioning, you know, uh, we question his loyalty. He says, you're more loyalty to the son of Jesse than you are to me. But it's like he's disowning him. He's ashamed of him. And the language is really not clear. Thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion. Your relationship with David is ruining you and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness. In other words, for the people will look at your, your life, the son of your mother, and the, she's going to, they're going to look at you like you're not faithful, you're not loyal, you've lost, just berating him in every way. And notice what he says in verse 31. For as long as the son of Jesse, talking about David, liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. In other words, as long as David's alive, you're not going to be able to be king, Jonathan. Wherefore now, send and fetch him unto me. You send and you bring him back to me, capture him, and he will surely die. Uh, that's in number two there. He ordered Jonathan to capture David and bring him to Saul. He has to die. Surely David has to die. There's no hiding it. There's no... And so how did, how did Jonathan respond to this in verse 32? Jonathan answered Saul his father and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? So he stands up to his dad, the king, and says, Why are you doing this? What has he done to you? 
and which is really he's sticking his neck out by doing that. And so look what Saul did now, verse 33. And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, trying to kill Jonathan, his own son, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. It's like he said, finally, finally, Jonathan sunk in. Okay, I got it. You, you're, you really are after him. You really are going to try to kill him. Um, so, number four there, in response, David threw a spear at Jonathan. So, one of the things that's just so clear in this is the, the effect and the consequences of unresolved issues and conflicts. I'm talking about in Saul's life. His, his anger is out of control. You know, it's like, it's like something happens and he just flips. And he, you've, you've heard of people talking about how people go into a blind rage. People who, get, who, who go get angry so quickly, so fast, they don't even know what they're saying. They don't know what they're doing. That's where Saul is. And it's not because he doesn't have the potential to be level-headed and to be gracious. He, had, he knew what it was to have the Spirit of God upon him. He was very... He was very uh, blessed, very blessed. And yet, this is what happens. And you know what? A lot of people could probably see themselves in some way in this picture right here. And I, I just, it takes something, and usually it's something that's hidden, something that's suppressed, something that's never been dealt with, that all of a sudden, just the slightest thing, and you see this anger come out. Now, for a lot of people, this this is, doesn't connect. But I'll tell you, it does for me. And it does for my family. My dad was that way. I was that way. And without the Spirit of God, I would still be that way. I mean, I've put my hand through doors and through walls and busted my hands hitting things just for... You say, why? Because I, I don't know why. I was, just my, I was just a part of my makeup, a part of the way I was. And... For Saul, that's the way Saul is. Now that's, you know, you can't excuse that. I'm thinking right now, I don't know why this man came to my mind, and I'm going to give you his name because some of you might know it. But there's a man who got saved in our church as an adult. He's, he's gone now. He's been gone a long time in, in heaven. But he got saved as an adult, but he had an anger problem. And I heard out of his own mouth him say, well, I'm that way, my dad was that way, his dad was that way, as though... As though that's just, I have to live with that. No, we don't have to live with that. That's, you know, that's not the way God wants us to live. And so this is, the, this is where Saul is at, and it's out of control, trying to kill his own son. You know, all this is going on. So what did Jonathan do? Verse 34, Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger. Now Jonathan's mad. And he'd no, eat no meat the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. He's grieved, he's upset with his dad. You know, the way his dad has uh, hurt David, hurt his reputation. That's the last part of number six there in your notes. So, so this is, it's, it's kind of, it's reached a breaking point. The, a place that something else has to be done. So, it says in verse... 35, and it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a lad with him, and he did what he said he was going to do. He shot this arrow uh, out there and uh, sends this lad out to find it, and when 
when uh, it says in verse, he shot it beyond him in the latter verse 36 and verse 37, when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan shot, Jonathan cried after the lad. Here's the sign to David. Is not the arrow beyond thee? In other words, it's away, that which means, says to David, you can't come back. You've got to go. And Jonathan cried after the lad, make haste, uh, stay not, and they gathered up the arrows and Verse 39, the lad didn't know anything about this. And, uh, verse 30, and verse 40, and Jonathan gave his artillery into his lad and said to him, go carry them into the city. And so now it's just Jonathan and David. In verse 41, and as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times and they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. So they just wept together. I mean, this, they have this great friendship, this bond of friendship. And when it, in verse number C there, it says they wept together, and David exceeded, which means he wept the most. I mean, David is just brokenhearted. Why? Because he wanted to be, he wanted to be in the, with Saul. He wanted to serve Saul. He wanted to be with Jonathan. And so... Verse 42, and Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. As far as they know, they may never see each other again. It's goodbye. But, we're, but whatever, we're, our loyalty is going to remain true. And he arose, uh, David arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. So this begins, this chapter of not chapter in the Bible, but the chapter in David's life where he's going to be a fugitive now for years. And we're going to cover that in coming weeks. So, just to kind of wrap this up and think about it, down at the bottom, these thoughts, really. First of all, I already mentioned this one, the vows between David and Jonathan that were fulfilled in Mephibosheth years later speak loudly the importance of keeping our word. There's a verse there that's not printed correctly. It should be Psalm 15 and verse 4. It just says Psalm 4. I want to read this to you. It's a great, it's a great passage. It's, it's about the man, Psalm 15. David wrote this, Psalm 15. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And uh, I just preached on this recently at another church. Um, David's, David's writing this. Who can really be, have this close relationship to God? And if you look at the last part of verse 4, it says, He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. That means he, here's somebody, here's somebody can live close in the, to God's presence. He that swears to his own hurt, don't miss this, and changeth not. He that says something, and even though it costs him, he keeps his word. Now that's, that's a very overlooked uh, quality, characteristic. When, a man, when his, something comes out of his mouth, even if it's going to cost him, he keeps his word. And that's exactly what you see in this relationship with David and Jonathan. A B there under number four on your notes. Uh, we see, it, I already talked about this, this example of a man whose anger is out of control. There's several verses here in Proverbs. I want to, this is worth looking at. Um, 
Not that any of you people would ever have an anger problem, but I, I read about somebody once that did. So let me look at a couple of these verses. Uh, Proverbs 22 and 24. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Thou shalt not go lest thou learn his ways. That, those kind of character qualities can be contagious. They take, look in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse uh, 28. Here's, the, here's a verse that describes uh, Saul and describe, would describe me at times in my life. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. If you can't control your emotions, can't control your spirit, then you're vulnerable. So all these verses have to talk about, have to speak about the matter of anger, and, the, and this is exactly what Saul was exhibiting. Here's another one in Proverbs 29, 22. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. A person has anger problems. It doesn't just affect him. It affects a lot of other people, those around him. A C under their principles and applications. I like to put things in there to kind of think about how the we, lessons we can draw from this passage. And this is a, an important one. David's journey from being a shepherd tending his father's sheep to the throne of Israel wasn't always pleasant. I mean, he's going to be running, he's going to be hiding like a fugitive, running like a hunted animal, and yet he has already been anointed as the king. And the point is, you know, sometimes that path from where we are to where God is going to take us is not always easy, and it's not always pleasant. But David had great grace upon him. And then the last thing, just talking about Jonathan and David's friendships, uh, it's wise to make sure our friendships and relationships are in the name of the Lord. That You see this phrase continuously uh, between David and Jonathan. They're doing this before the Lord. This is our commitment to each other before the Lord. And this applies to all of us, especially applies, though, to young people because the friendships you make, the relationships you build can have a great effect on you, positively or sometimes negatively. So, so any questions or comments about, about this? It's a, it's a fascinating journey, isn't it, for David? It's a fascinating journey from where he started uh, and to where he's going to end up. And it's like you see these two two characters. One of them is David, who's a godly man, who's yielded to the Lord, who's trying to do the right thing. You know, I thought about that verse in Romans chapter 12 where it says, as much as lives within you, live peaceably with all men. That's what he was trying to do. As much as it's in you, try to live peaceably with us. And you know what? He's got, God's going to take him to a place of great prominence. And then you have another thing at the same time. This is Saul the first king of Israel, chosen to be the king by God, and he makes these mistakes, and his trajectory is going just the opposite way. So you got one person going closer to God, and, and you got another person, and I want to be like the one that's going closer to God, not the one that's made these horrible mistakes and refuses to get it right and ends up crashing and burning. So next week, next week uh, we're going to look at uh, a great passage of scripture, a heartbreaking passage of scripture where uh, 
David went to the priest of Nob and had a conversation with him and how Saul, in his anger, slew, I think, 85 priests. It's a horrible massacre. Anyway, let's have prayer before we go. 